Hi there, welcome back to another episode of Social Media Manager Confidential. If this is your first episode, hey, I am so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you're a punchy and you're coming back every single week, I want you to know that I appreciate you and I hope you're having an amazing week. So I got to sit down and chat with the Latasha James. I've been following her on YouTube for quite a while now, and I love listening to her podcast and following her on Instagram. And so I was so appreciative when she agreed to come on the show and chat with me. So we talked about getting started as a social media manager, raising your prices, kind of the ins and outs of learning different specialties of social media management and just so much more. So without further ado, here is our little chat we had. Social media management is notorious for being high pressure, competitive, and changing literally every day, which is why it isn't surprising that most social media managers get burned out within the first two years. So how do you keep going? How do you stay up with the latest updates, protect your mental health, and build a successful social media management business that supports your lifestyle goals? Whether that's working from home with your kiddos or jet-setting around the world, that's what this show is all about. Welcome to Social Media Manager Confidential. I'm Shantae Gorman, founder of a six-figure social media management agency and mentor to social media managers. And I'm here to dish on the ins and outs of the social media management world without any of the gatekeeping that can come along with it. You'll learn, you'll laugh, and you'll leave each episode inspired. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey everyone, I am back and I am so excited. I am chatting with Latasha James. She is the founder and creative director of James and Park, a social first video marketing firm serving clients across the globe, as well as the online business launch lab, an education platform for freelancers and creative entrepreneurs. Through her courses, YouTube and podcast content, Latasha has encouraged thousands of people to start and grow their businesses, both online and off. Hi, Latasha. How are you? Hi, Shantae. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you on here. So let's just start off. What is your current business setup like? Well, I wear a lot of hats, to be honest, (laughs) which I think a lot of us do nowadays. I think that wasn't so much the case. But now that all these social platforms want us all to be creators, I think a lot of people can probably relate. Yeah. So there's, you know, one side of the business that's a little bit more content creation focused. So I have a YouTube channel, a podcast as well. And I educate that way. I also, as you mentioned, have OBLL. So that's my school where I teach people how to become social media managers, how to be creators, things like that. So that's one side of the business. The other side of the business is service-based where I'm working with mostly like tech brands is kind of the the bulk of who my clients tend to be, although that that's changing a little bit. But I do social media strategy and video content for them. I started as doing like full service day-to-day social media management. And I still do a little bit of that for a few clients that I've worked with for years. But nowadays, most of what people are looking for is like video content and, and strategy. Yeah, I think those two pieces are really important in this day and age, which is interesting of how like, Social media management, when we first started, has completely changed than what it is now. For sure. We didn't even need video back then. It was just like photos. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like the good old quote graphic was like the go-to. Post that on Facebook, you're good. (laughs) 
<laughs> you, were, you were good to go. It was fine. And now we need video or we need like video edited really well. And like we've had to step up our, our skill set for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it's changed a lot. I mean, I don't know when you started. It's been about five years. Okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I guess my first foray into social media is like almost like 10 years ago, wow, which is okay. like ancient, you know, <laughs> like I said, back then it was just Facebook pages. That was pretty much it. I was writing a lot of tweets. And that was pretty much it. And that's kind of how I really carved out my niche or like my my zone of genius, if you will, because I was actually going to school for film at the time when I first started. Ah, okay. And so, yeah, every once in a while, someone would recommend me as like, hey, can you shoot this video for my friend or can you do X, Y, Z? And um, I was like, why don't we post these videos on social media and Facebook? And we started to see really good results from that and using them for Facebook ads, things like that. And that's kind of where I developed my sweet spot. It's like social first video. I love that. So you were kind of ahead of the game then. I guess. Yeah. You were on video before it like became the thing. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've had a lot of practice. Yeah. So how does it work then with you like creating video for these tech brands that are your clients? Like, how do you do that? Well, it depends. I mean, a lot of what I do is I actually do a lot of on-camera stuff. I'm I'm comfortable with that. So I guess nowadays people are calling it kind of like UGC content where I'll actually record videos for clients to use on their own social channels. A lot of it is more like tutorial-based. A lot of new tech startups that I work with, they don't have, for example, like a demo of their tool sure. or an in-depth tutorial. And so I'll just screen share. If I need to do any on-camera work, I'll do that. I also do courses for brands. I'm working on a big course collaboration right now that I unfortunately can't can't share, but um, (laughs) a really exciting brand that a lot of people know. So creating a course for them. So they're kind of hiring me out both as video producer, editor, and sometimes on camera talent as well. Nice. Other times if a brand does, you know, if they have a CEO or they have a member of their team who is comfortable being on camera, that makes my job a little bit easier and I can just either shoot them or take their footage that they send my way and then do that editing magic. Absolutely. So if you have someone else creating the video, do you give them like a script or like what we need or they they handle that? Yeah, I do. Typically, obviously it depends on the project. If it's like a, you know, super polished video, then we're going to have a full script. But in a lot of cases, and I think you, I'm sure you know this as well, like I think most of what works on social isn't so super polished nowadays. You know, people want to hear that just kind of natural, organic conversation, maybe something that's a little more fun and lighthearted, especially if it's going directly on social media. So I try to encourage my clients to just be themselves and I'll give them like a shot list. I think this is something that might be applicable for everyone listening because whether you're like trying to be a video creator or not, as we mentioned, you have to be involved in video in some way. And so for like Instagram stories or Instagram reels, that can be really hard to capture that footage, especially if you're remote. You know, if you're not, you can't just walk down the street into a store (laughs) and do it for the client. So I find giving them a shot list, just a bullet point list of like, hey, could you take a video of, you know, your menu? Can you take a video of an entree, a dessert or whatever it is? And just giving them that kind of checklist and then having them just drop it all into a Google Drive folder or whatever works for you. And then you can just handle that footage and stitch it together. Yes, that's what I do as well. Because a lot of my clients are the faces of their brand. I work with personal brands. So 
they're always a little overwhelmed of like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to film. And so I'll give them examples like, here's kind of what we were thinking. Here's a script you can go off of. Usually they ad lib off of it, you know, but it gives them like a starting point of what I would like them to talk about. And I think just meeting your clients where they're at, whatever they're comfortable with going from there is part of having that video service. For sure. So I know you said you got started in social media management work, kind of dabbling with like Facebook pages and stuff, but is there... Is there any more to that story? Yeah. So I was going to school. I had always been interested in the online world. Like, you know, I was always the person like who had a blog of some sort, like Blogspot, Zanga, all that stuff. Of course, (laughs) MySpace, like back in the day, I just always really loved that stuff. So I'd always been interested in it. And then when I was in college, I was just to be honest, I was just like looking for more money as a lot of people in college are (laughs) like, there's nothing wrong with that. I was working retail at the time. And I knew that wasn't my, you know, long term career path or anything. So I also wanted just different experience. So I started a LinkedIn. This was when LinkedIn was pretty new too, And I ran across a job post for a blog writer for an education blog. And it was like, just write about any topic that you can that you're interested in that can be tied back to something educational. And so I applied for that. My portfolio was my blog at the time, just my personal blog that I had that I was sharing random stuff on (laughs) everything from like music to lifestyle, fashion, beauty, food, everything in between. And I just use that just to kind of share my portfolio and show that I do know how to write. Yeah. And so I got that blog job. So that was really like my first freelance job. And then from there, the editor of that blog ended up starting her own virtual agency And I told her, you know, when we first had our first conversation that I was interested in social media. And so when she started her agency, she remembered that I did a good job writing those blogs. And so she brought me on to the agency as a social media copywriter. So that's how I got into it. So again, I was just like writing the copy at that time. So I was writing captions for Facebook, tweets, things like that, which I really liked because I think sometimes, I mean, especially today, there are so many different jobs within social media management. I mean, you have to be a copywriter. You have to be a designer. You have to be yes. a photographer, a videographer. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you're being on camera. Like there, those are a million different jobs, an advertising person. So I liked that I got to focus and get really good at copywriting first before I like bit off more than I could chew. Because if I would have gotten, you know, a client, like a full service client at that point, I mean, I'm sure I would have figured it out, but I think it would have been a lot more challenging for me. So I kind of like worked my way up that way, doing copy. And then after that, I I graduated college. I got a job in the corporate world. So I worked at a Fortune 500 automotive company in their marketing department. Then I went on to a staffing company, worked in their marketing department as a social media manager. All the while I was kind of freelancing on the side, just, you know, taking on like a client or two at the time. And it wasn't even that I had this big dream of owning my own business or anything like that. I just like like to stay busy. And I felt like you can probably relate. Like I I feel like you learn so much more working for a smaller client because you you're wearing all the hats, you know? Yes. In my yeah, <laughs> in my corporate job, it was like, you know, I had one specific role and and that was good too, but you know, I really learned a lot working with those clients. So anyway, in about 2018, I went full-time with my business. So that's the story. <laughs> nice. I love the journey. And it's not like, yeah. so a lot of people like getting into it. And I'm sure, you know, they're like, do I need a degree in social media management? Like, what do I, what do I need? And really like your degrees in film, right? Yep. Yeah. And so it's like, 
you don't have to have a degree in it. Like it's so new and it changes so much that there would be no point to getting a degree in my opinion. Yeah. Because by the time you started and the time you graduated, like it would be irrelevant. For sure. (laughs) So it's kind of like you learn on the job. Hi there. This is Ad Chante popping in to let you know about the Sugar Punch template shop. Inside the shop are done-for-you templates that I created specifically for social media managers and digital marketers so that you can seamlessly plug and play and have a professional business without losing any more sleep. We all know we need more of that. From a pricing calculator to an onboarding welcome packet to an all-in-one social media calendar, as in you can create, revise, and have clients approve it all through Canva. Love how simple it is plus a case study template with 100 proven copy ideas to impress your clients and a social media marketing proposal template. I've got you covered. Shop the affordable templates or get the discounted bundle, you do you, at my website. I'll link it in the show notes for you. Now back to today's episode. And I do like that I think it's interesting you started your background in copywriting because I feel like the best content has the best copywriting. So like even video content, like you need a strong hook and that is copywriting. Copywriting is the best skill set to develop because I think that's what's really going to make your content shine. Yeah, I agree. Regardless of the platform, I mean, yeah, on TikTok, it might just be like one little line of text. It's not a lot, but you still do need a caption for pretty much all of the platforms. And to your point, even if you're not thinking caption, it's, you know, storytelling through the video, like that starts with a script or an outline, or like you said, a hook. So yeah, I agree. I think that's an area that that, that's good for people to to learn. I think we get really focused on the content creation stuff now, which is also important. (laughs) Um, But I do I do think people should spend a little bit more time learning about storytelling and copywriting too. I agree. And I mean, like you said, we we wear a lot of hats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, we're designers, we're videographers, we're editors, we're strategists. And so it can be overwhelming to develop everything at once. For sure. It is. <laughs> it is. It's hard. And yeah, I think like pick one. Yeah. What I teach people too is I don't think it's realistic that we are experts at all of those things. Like I'm personally, it's funny because my last job in corporate, I was actually like the paid ads manager. That was like my title. I don't consider myself an expert in paid ads, actually. Like I know how to do it, but I think there are better people at it. And if I have a big campaign that I need to run, I'm going to bring in an expert. I'm going to outsource that, bring in someone to help. I think that's okay. You know, I, I think sometimes we beat ourselves up about like, oh, I'm not the best same with graphic design. Like I know my way around Canva, but if I need a logo designed or if I need, you know, something really fancy done, I'm going to bring in an expert. So keep that in mind, like learn what you really want to learn and lean into your strengths. I think I always say like, know enough to be dangerous about the other (laughs) things just so you can speak to them. And, you know, so you can, like, if you're in dire need of just busting out Canva, do that. But also leaning into your strengths, I think is really important. Yeah, I agree. I think specializing in certain tasks and things too can really kind of help you stand out. I mean, different clients need different things. Maybe video is important for some, but not so much for others or like copy or design. And so, you know, lean into what you have, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. So what's your favorite thing about social media management? I knew I wanted a job that allowed me flexibility in always really, you know, my previous experience was working retail, which it was like, you had to be in a physical location yes. 
I worked retail too. <laughs> yes. Yes. Which is great. Like I definitely took a lot of, you know, customer service stuff away from retail and, and all of that. But yeah, you have to be there physically from, you know, 11 to seven or whatever your shift is. Yes. And so I, I knew I didn't want that. I also, when I first started, I was young and I wanted to travel or have the ability to do that if I wanted to. So I think that's my favorite thing is that it's very flexible in that you get to define your hours, you get to define your location. You can even define like who you work with. You know, you mentioned you work with personal brands. I work with a lot of startups. Like I get to choose that. If there's a certain industry, I'm like, "Eh, I don't really love, I don't have to. So I think that's my favorite part is the flexibility. Yes. Yes. Same. (laughs) Same to all of it. What about your least favorite thing? I definitely find that it can be overwhelming. I don't love being on my phone. People are always surprised when I say that, but I'm like, I don't do a lot of scrolling, to be honest, on social media, just because it's so overwhelming. All the sights and the sounds, it's like just not great for my nervous system. So that can be hard because it's, I just actually posted a podcast today about how important engagement is, social media engagement. A lot of people think about just posting great content. That's only half of it. Right. And so I'm not always my own best client because I sometimes I just can't, I just can't open the inbox. I'm like, it's too overwhelming. Even the good stuff, you know, even when someone's like, oh my gosh, I love XYZ. Sometimes that can just be overwhelming. Yeah. So I struggle with that, of finding that balance between how do I have a healthy relationship with technology, but also build my business. And of course, for my clients, I think it's easier because it's a job, right? I know I have to, or I can outsource, you know, and have someone on my team be responsible for that. But when it comes to like growing my own business, sometimes that part can be challenging of knowing how to disconnect while still serving my clients and growing my business. Yes. And I like how you said you're your worst client because (laughs) I have been there and I do that sometimes too, where it's like, I have posts that are two weeks old that have comments and like questions about, and I'm like, I just don't have the time or like, I haven't gotten around to answering them. Yeah. I love that Instagram changed that filter so you can see comments only. So that at least helps me like refine them. But yeah, it can, it can get overwhelming to balance things out when you have like your own business you're doing social for and then clients as well. Yeah, for sure. And then like trying to take care of like your mental health and like, you know, unplugging and getting time away from technology and just... <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's it's always a balance that you have to like take it day by day. You know, every day is different. Sometimes you need to be on more than others and, you know, it's just kind of how it goes. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> if there's anything you wish someone had told you before you got started, what would it be? I think this is probably one that probably a lot of your guests say, but like charge more. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if other people said that, but yeah, I I didn't, it's hard because I think there's a balance with that too of you have to start somewhere. And I also don't recommend charging like, you know, a huge wild amount when you're first starting out because you want to charge what's proportional to like the results that you can actually deliver. And I was learning in the beginning. So I wouldn't feel right about, oh, let me charge you $5,000 a month for like, I'm figuring it out. Right. Right. But I also think like when I look back at some of my first contracts, I was like, um, I don't know, $20 an hour. And it's like, you don't think about $20 an hour. Sure. Maybe that's a fine rate at face value, but as a freelancer specifically, well, you got to also factor in like at least 30% of that is going to go to taxes. 
And then we don't get all of the benefits that you would get at a corporate job. You know, if I get sick, you know, I don't get a sick day that's paid. I don't get vacation (laughs) time. No one's contributing to my 401k but me, you know, all of those things. So you definitely have to factor that in. And sometimes the number can feel like a lot, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, this sounds like way too much. But when you factor in all of the employer, you know, expenses, it it really isn't that much. So I do wish, I, I just think they're isn't a lot of transparency around it. So you just don't know what you don't know. So I don't like blame myself, no regrets or anything, but I do wish, I don't know. I wish I had a little more insight into that when I first started. Yeah. I learned that the hard way too. You know, when I had to pay quarterly taxes, it was a surprise. Yep. Yep. (laughs) For sure. And then that is what led me to, oh, I need to charge more. Uh Uh-huh. Like there's no way that this is going to work out otherwise. Yep. And I... I think that conversation is important too, because when you come from, you know, I worked retail too, or you come from corporate, your idea of, well, here's what my hourly rate is, Mm -hmm. is different than when like you're working for a company and that's what you're making hourly. They're completely different. And so you have to like kind of frame it differently. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And I also think that people, you know, or at least I did, I struggled with it because it just felt so selfish in a way, Yeah, which is silly because you deserve it, whatever. But, you know, I also, something that helped me is like, I'm not doing my best work if I'm out here struggling. (laughs) Like if I'm wondering how I'm going to pay the bills or I'm having to take on so many clients, this is definitely a big mistake I made in the beginning. I had like 10 clients at once. That's not sustainable for most people, unless you have like an agency model where you have a lot of people working with you. It's not sustainable. I'm not doing my best work for every single one of those clients. So charge more so you can take on less of those clients. And also something I found is charging a premium rate or a fair rate. Also, it attracts a particular type of client that probably is investing in other areas of their business and understands what it's like to work with a freelancer and isn't going to treat you like an employee or micromanage and all of those things. So it's usually not a bad, it never is a bad decision to charge a fair rate. Right. <laughs> right. Yep. There there are clients out there and I think the quality of them mm-hmm. is higher. So as you get more comfortable raising your rates, the quality of clients you're attracting and are working with also improves. But I think most people are comfortable charging lower rates, at least to start. And so the quality of clients is not quite there. You still have the, you're their very first freelancer hire, like they're figuring it out. You're figuring it out. You know, it's, it's kind of a rite of passage. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Yeah. I don't know anyone that started charging like, you know, thousands and getting amazing clients right away. Like we all kind of have to work our way up to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, you have to be realistic too of, yeah, when I compare my work that I was doing, you know, eight years ago to now, yeah, it wasn't the same level. Like, so that's okay. We all have to grow and and work our way up for sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you don't have to be an expert right away. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I know you really are passionate about lead gen through YouTube, which I am very new to YouTube. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, this is the unexpected 
thing for me. Like, like I said, I've always just loved the internet and connecting with people that way. So same, just like my blog, I had a YouTube channel that was just for fun. I actually started doing like beauty and fashion content on there. Cause that was just kind of like what was popular at the time. And I was like, Oh, this seems cool. I don't know. Yeah. I used to watch so much fashion and, and like makeup tutorials yes. and stuff. Like that was the heyday of YouTube. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, that's how I learned how to do makeup. Like I never yeah. wore makeup or anything in high school. And so I was like, Oh, this is cool. Like, let me learn how to do this. And it was just fun. I had no idea people were making money. Like I, it was just fun. Yeah. And over the years, it's just evolved. And I started just documenting life. And when I graduated college, I started vlogging a little bit more when I moved to a bigger city and just sharing what was going on in my life. Part of that was working in marketing. And people were like, oh, like, this is cool. Like, you work in social media. Tell us more. And so I would just slowly start to share more about social media on my YouTube. And over time, you know, that's obviously the direction. That's all that I really talk about on my YouTube now is social media and freelancing. And yeah, it's been the unexpected biggest lead generator for me. I mean, the majority of my website traffic for both sides of the business comes from YouTube. And what's really cool about it is it is a very evergreen content model in most cases, whereas like short form content for me is more where I talk about the trending topics of the moment, the things that are happening in the now. YouTube, I try to keep it more evergreen and that I'm talking about like things that don't really change that much. I'm talking about social media strategy, not tactics. Like on Instagram, I might talk about, hey, here's a new algorithm update or whatever. YouTube, I'm talking about how to adapt regardless of the algorithm or, you know, some of these more foundational concepts. And so when people search for these things, because YouTube is a Google product, it comes up on Google, comes up on YouTube. And yeah, it works really well. So my recommendation to people, if you're going to start with YouTube, one is to, to adopt that same mindset in most cases. I mean, also there's like news channels and stuff that do do really well, but you have to constantly be kind of feeding that engine but also just have a good funnel in place. So for me, that is just having a simple lead magnet in my YouTube description box and using that to just get people on my email list. So that way I can contact them when I, you know, have a launch, I have a weekly newsletter, things like that. For the client side, a lot of that is, it happens really organically, like just having your email address, having your website linked there and having an easy way for people to book a discovery call or send you an email. Yeah. And I I think it's interesting too, because a lot of your clients are tech startups who need video and like content creation. And so of course they're going to find you from YouTube because that's what they're looking for and that's where they're hanging out. So that makes sense. Yeah. You got to go where your clients are. And and for me, YouTube definitely makes sense. Probably for you too. Like personal brands are probably YouTubing information all the time too. For other brands, it might not make as much sense. There might be other platforms that you can better invest your time in. But if you feel like it's a place where your ideal clients are, definitely have a presence there and at least give it a give it a shot. Yeah, absolutely. Would you say if you're trying to get clients from YouTube, would it be smart to do like educational content? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's a balance of, you know, your more educational kind of algorithm type content, content that people are searching for often. So the how-to content. But I also think that you have to balance that out with some community content, as I call it, or content that's a little bit more personal. It doesn't mean you have to like, you know, share the ins and outs of your personal life or day-to-day. But I do think that that humanizes you 
a little bit. So I do a series on my channel called A Week in My Business, where it's just like a weekly vlog, but it's focused around the business. So here's what I'm doing for the business today. And it just gives people a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. That's some of my least viewed content, but most highly engaged with content. Yeah. If I go in those comments, those are all people who are clients or students of mine. And so it really is something that connects us and that just fosters our relationship. So I do think it's important to have a balance of both. You know, we don't want to buy from robots, right? People buy from people, as they say. (laughs) So having some type of a more human element to your YouTube is important too, I think. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's important across any platform too, is not all the content that goes out strategy-wise is the high-performing content. It's not all going to get saves, shares. Some of it is community building, which will not perform as well but you're really developing those relationships with specific like individual people. And that's a huge component of the strategy too. Absolutely. 100%. Yes, I agree. Thank you so much for coming on here. Where can everybody find you? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. LatashaJames.com is my website. There's links to everything there, or you can just go to YouTube and search my name, Latasha James. Perfect. And I will link all of your stuff in the show notes so everybody can find you from there. But thanks so much for coming on. I'm excited for everyone to hear what you have to say. Yeah. Thanks again. That was amazing. If you want to connect with Latasha, definitely check out the links in the show notes. She has some pretty great content out there. And if you have any friends who are social media managers, share the link to this episode with them and help them out. And if you're not already following this podcast, make sure you hit the follow button or the plus button in Apple Podcasts so you can get brand new episodes delivered straight to your podcast app every Friday. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Learn more about my digital template shop, online courses, and mentorship program by going to my website at sugarpunchmarketing.com. And while you're there, make sure you join my safe, supportive community created exclusively for social media managers. It's 100% free to join and packed with really amazing resources, trainings, and people. See you next time.